the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As we close out the week here on Abounding Grace, we do so once again in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. Our message called Doctrines of Demons versus the Words of the Faith. That's next here on Abounding Grace. And again, hi, welcome to our Friday broadcast of Abounding Grace. We are back in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 12, in part two of a message simply called Doctrines of Demons versus the Words of the Faith. What is it we believe and why? And why is it important to believe what we believe? Well, as we're seeing, there are those who believe the opposite and would seek to ruin us with that belief. With more, here's Pastor Gary Wagner on today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. He doesn't usually go into technical things or in-depth things like the creation of the world or the goodness of God in foods and institutions. So here Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, don't confine your preaching to the ABCs. Well, that's important, but so are the DEFs and the XYZs. So make sure you preach to them the whole counsel of God. Educate them in the truth from the very start. In other words, Timothy, from the earliest days, make sure these people have a proper biblical worldview. You see, that's where the church is lacking today. That is where preachers are lacking today. One of the most important things you can do in a church you are starting is not only help people believe the gospel, but help them to think about everything in life from the biblical doctrines, Timothy. Help them have a way of looking at life that is based upon the word of God, not just when they go to church, but when they go to work, when they go to school when they do their shopping and in whatever else they do so that every day of their life, they're always thinking biblically about everything they think about. And that's what preachers are to do. And yet that is what they are failing to do. Christians think like Christians on Sundays, but Monday through Saturday, they think like every other humanist in America. And Paul says, in pointing out these things, that I've been teaching you, that to the brethren, to your brothers and sisters in Christ, you will be a famous servant of Christ Jesus. Does your translation say that? That if someone preaches the whole word of God, they will become a famous minister of Jesus Christ. They'll be a celebrity. No, he doesn't say that. He says, in pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant. Paul doesn't say to Timothy, preach these things if you want a big church and 
You want to be talked about on the internet? He says, Timothy, preach these things so that you will be a good servant of Christ. And the word servant, we can also translate in the Bible as minister. But notice the servant is also accurate here. So a minister in a church is not a boss. He's not the CEO. He's not the chairman of the board. He is a servant. Elders are not simply managers and governors. They manage and govern by serving, just like the Bible says about Jesus. The Son of Man came not to be saved, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So he says, Timothy, point out these things so your people won't be misled by false teachers into apostasy. Be a good servant of Christ Jesus. What does a good servant of Christ Jesus do, whether he is a preacher or not? It says he constantly nourishes on the word of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following. A preacher is not only someone that is concerned with nourishing his congregation in the word of God, but he is someone who is also nourishing himself in the word of God. It was said concerning John Calvin that whoever else was in the congregation every Sunday, there was always one man who he preached to, and that was himself. Preachers must understand that we don't exist just to nourish the congregation because we can dry up in the process. You can have reformed preachers that are dried up and have blown away. So he says, Timothy, you need nourishment. You need to something to strengthen you. You've got to be strong in doing the things you're, called, do, you're doing in the culture in which you are to work. So you nourish the people and nourish yourself on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrines which you have been following. Now, what is Paul talking about? That whole phrase, nourish yourself on the words of God and of the words of faith and of the words of sound doctrine, which you have been following, is just another way of saying, Timothy, nourish yourself on the Bible. Nourish yourself by reading and studying the Bible. And when you study the Bible for a sermon, also make sure you are studying it for your own benefit. Study the Word of God. Meditate on it. Think about it. This is one of the great blessings that I have had over the last 16 years as your pastor. Having the ability to spend so much time in God's Word. And I don't think I could nourish you with a good meal if I didn't have that time. And I do pray you are being nourished through the preaching and counseling that I've given you. And of course, me nourishing myself as I hopefully nourish you, that is the way that we will all escape apostasy. There are churches across America that have had a great heritage, that were once strong, vibrant, reformed churches that have just simply caved into the culture. And many that have sunk into liberalism. What has happened? Negligence of duty. Negligence of being nourished in the word of God. Allowing oneself to start to believe little things. Because everything else, everyone else is believing these things. And we certainly don't want to stand out from them, right? Until finally one day... You wake up and you start questioning even the basic doctrines of the Christian faith. 
Beloved, the only way we can survive apostasy and the influences of our culture and be good servants of Christ Jesus is to constantly nourish nourish ourselves on the words of faith. Now, notice in the New American Standard Version, the word there constantly is in italics. And when a word is in italics, that means it is not there in the original Greek. But sometimes that's okay. Because the word nourish here is in the present tense. And when a present tense verb is used in Greek, it normally denotes continuous action. So to add the word constantly in front of nourish is okay. Because that is really what it says in Greek. To constantly, continuously, day by day, not just every now and then, to nourish yourself upon the word of God. Reading it. Hearing it preached, reading other books about its doctrines, meditating on it, talking to yourself and others about it, rolling it over and over in your mind. And each Sunday, men, when you go home, if you have children or grandchildren, and you eat dinner when you go home, ask them questions. What did Pastor Gary talk about? Have your children take notes during the sermon It's important for you to ask your children questions and to teach them how to apply what they heard until they begin to think for themselves. You want to keep your children nourished, beloved, not just physically, but especially spiritually. Then Paul says, as he applies this even further, because he doesn't want them to to mistake what he is saying, He says, have nothing to do with worldly fables fit for old women. Now, he's not degrading to a person's gender or age. Fables for old women, old wives tells, was a sarcastic philosophical phrase that meant it was endless and basically untrue, not based on any real facts. It's like an older woman back in those days uneducated, sitting idly around the house, and she starts believing superstitions and even scaring children with superstitious fables, not facts. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying don't concern yourself with things that originate in the minds of men or in the superstitions of your culture, but make sure your mind and heart are governed by the word of God. Then he says, having nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Now, remember, he has been rebutting people about how the body is valueless. So he's been telling Timothy, tell your congregation that your physical and spiritual sides are both valuable and important in the eyes of God and should be to you. God is concerned with everything you do with your body and soul. Because everything you do with your body and soul. You don't just kiss your wife with your lips. Kissing is not just a physical thing. Kissing involves the heart. It involves your emotions. It involves the whole person. So he is saying, in all of this, make sure you are disciplined and trained for the purpose of godliness. The word discipline is the word from which we get gymnasium. Timothy, take the words of the faith and not only believe them, 
but vigorously discipline yourself by them. Let them teach you self-control. Let them teach you not to just go do things by impulse, but do what is right in obeying the word of God, even when you don't want to, even when you have desires to do other things. And don't just discipline yourself every now and then. Imagine if you played basketball in college. You would work out with the team every day after classes. And you do it for two or three hours at a time. You may have not wanted to certain days, but you did it anyway every day. It wasn't a hit or miss thing. And if you just worked out and trained once a week, oh, you'd never make the team. And that is the way most Christians think they can work out and discipline themselves. Every now and then, when they feel especially spiritual, they'll pick up their Bibles, maybe read a few chapters, but it is not a regular discipline in their lives. Is it for you? Paul says, this truth must not only be believed, but this truth must be practiced. And, you're, and you discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Now, godliness is one of the key words in the New Testament. It is closely akin to the word religion. You know, it really bothers me when people tell me, ah, Christianity's not a religion, it's a relationship. Oh, now that sounds very sweet. But it is outright stupid. Every single person on this planet is in a relationship with Jesus. Jesus, well, Judas was in a relationship with Jesus, right? In fact, he is in a relationship with Jesus right now in hell. So it is not being in a relationship. So what is religion? Religion is that belief that governs the heart and the life and governs the behavior. You know, I remember back in the day when someone would say that man or that woman had religion. And it meant that person was a Christian. He was not someone who just talked one way and lived another. A hypocrite. We've got plenty of those in Congress, right? This person's religion governs his whole life. By the way, everyone has a religion. There's no such thing as a religionless person. Everyone on the face of the earth has religious convictions that govern their life. They're not always right. It may be a false religion. It may be an idolatrous religion. But there is the religion of Christianity in which the truth of the gospel in Jesus Christ governs everything a man or a woman's, in a man or a woman's life. And they are disciplined to obey it. When all of their desires want to say yes, their godliness says no. So he says, discipline yourself. Make sure you know how to keep in control of the desires of your life because above everything else, you want to be godly, above being wealthy, above being healthy, attractive. What you want to be more than anything else is godly. God says, I want you to be like me on a human level. But now here is where he explains himself. Paul says, don't misunderstand me. 
bodily discipline is only of little profit. He's saying to them, now I'm telling you these false teachers are wrong in saying that the body is dirty and base. I'm telling you the body is valuable and good. But I want you to know there is a priority in things. He's saying just because I tell you the body is good and it is holy doesn't mean you give the body the same priority that you give to your spiritual relationship with God. He said bodily exercise and discipline, gymnastics there is the word, is of little profit. I mean physical exercise is good for you. It can make you stronger. It can even make you more attractive. And it can help you improve your physical skills. But compared to spiritual exercise, physical exercise is of little profit. Oh, it is of profit. But because I said the body is good doesn't mean that you make it the supreme thing in your life. You know, I'm certain most of you have noticed that almost all the gyms today have mirrors everywhere. And guys and gals stand in front of these mirrors and they just admire themselves. And the, guy, and the guys are the funniest to watch. The guys will lift weights and they'll watch themselves and admire themselves and spend hours every day increasing their muscles. And boy, they just think they're the cat's meow. What are these guys? They are body worshipers. They have those mirrors in the gym so that they can see their gods work out. The average person like that, the primary work of his life is to live longer. That if he can be physically stronger, he can live longer. So most of what they do is for their physical benefit. That's all. And let me tell you, they'll go to hell with very toned bodies. Paul says, physical exercise is important. He says, I'm not downgrading it. But let me tell you what is infinitely more important. Verse 8. Bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for some things. No, for everything. Christian religion God-likeness, holiness of life, Christ-likeness. All of that that benefits at all levels, not only in the life to come, but in this life right now. It's not just something you do for heaven. You don't just strive after godliness and Christ-likeness and holiness because it will count for something in heaven. That is not the point. It will benefit you in this life. He says, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So disciplining yourself in godliness, learning how to control your physical and spiritual appetites, not only benefits you in the life to come, but it benefits you here and now. You may be sick as you can be. You may be weak. You may be a paralytic. But you have a peace that surpasses all understanding. You have joy unspeakable that is full of glory. God is to you a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So disciplining yourself in godliness is not something you do for the life to come. He's here now with you. It is something that benefits you here and now. 
Physical exercise has its place. But it is little profit compared to the exercise of the heart and the soul. And in verse 9, he emphasizes, this is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. Paul already said this in chapter 1, verse 15. And he says it before he said something very important. 1 Timothy 1.15 It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. And now he says, just as important as that sentence is, here is another trustworthy statement worthy of full acceptance. Discipline in godliness benefits us in this life and in the life to come. Now, both of those verses in chapter 1 and here in chapter 4, you don't want to forget either of those statements. Verse 10, for it is this we labor and strive. Labor and strive implies hard work. Fighting battles as preachers. We meaning himself and Timothy here. Because we fixed our hope on the living God who is the savior of all men, especially of the believers. Prescribe and teach these things, Timothy. Why is this statement so important that you learn it and that you practice it? That discipline and godliness benefits us in this life and the life to come. Whereas physical exercises of little profit. It is because we have fixed our hope on the living God who desires that men be saved, especially those who believe. He's saying we are doing this because God is a God of life. God has made you promises and we're willing to go to any extreme, make any sacrifice, fight any battle to make sure we believe the truth. Because if all we do is exercise physically in this life. We will go to hell when we die. So if you say all that matters is if I go to heaven when I die, and it doesn't matter what I do with this body, there is where where it leads. It leads to ascetics who say, well, it doesn't matter what you do with your body because the body is base and lowly. So rather than become monks, they became perverts and idolaters. After all, It doesn't matter what you do with your bodies. God doesn't care about your body. It is your spirit that is important. And Paul says, I don't want you to be apostate. I don't want you to throw your life away. So we as your leaders are willing to work and labor and sweat and fight and die if need be to help you believe these things and keep you from apostatizing because our hope is fixed upon the living God. Not the idols that men worship in this world. Have you ever wondered why Satan is called the God of this world? Do you think that's giving him too much credit? Is he the God of this world? The Bible says he is. He is, but only in the sense that he is the God this world worships. 
He's not in control of this world. He is the God this world worships. And people who were once professors of the true religion have and will continue to wander into apostasy and darkness and hell because they refuse to discipline themselves in godliness and nourish themselves in the word of faith. Oh, beloved, don't be one of those. Discipline yourself. Amen. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner. The ministry of Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose. As always, it's a delight spending time with you here in God's Word. And if today's program has been especially helpful to you, we'd love to hear about it. Would you take a moment and contact us? Let us know how the program is encouraging you in Christ. It would mean a great deal to us. From time to time, we'd like to know how the program is being used by God. And that would be a great gauge for us. A quick letter or a phone call. Here's how to contact us, 408-866-5607. That's our phone number, 408-866-5607. Or you can write to us at PMB, that's PMB number 402-1484 Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB for post mailbox, number 402 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032 is the zip code. If you'd like to know more about Reformed Heritage Church of San Jose or Pastor Gary Wagner and Abounding Grace, you can visit our website, reformedheritage.org. That's reformedheritage.org. And leave us an email when you stop by. Let us know you paid us a visit. You're also welcome to, again, call. That phone number is 408-866-5607. If you'd like a copy of today's program, by the way, mention today's date when you contact us and we'll get a copy out to you. The cost is $5. And any amount you send above and beyond cost of resource materials will go right back into the radio program, as this is a listener-supported ministry. We're able to continue our daily presence here on this station as you continue to support us financially and prayerfully. We appreciate your help in this endeavor. Thank you again. For further information, reformedheritage.org or 408-866-5607. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.